Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. My favorite thing about Armoire is all the different style and occasion options from casual to athleisure to night out, work formal, work casual, a total of eight different occasions, three weather options, and 11 categories including accessories, outerwear, and blazers, just to name a few. With Armoire, you can always have something new to wear without the hassle and closet clutter. You know the feeling. You open your closet, it's full, but you have quite literally nothing to wear. You're bored with everything in there. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothes for every occasion. Whether you're planning your outfit for date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best-dressed person in the room. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off the first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash parenting. That's armoire.style. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So as I've shared, we are moving and there is a really big task that I thought I was going to put off until after we moved and I realized that I have to get going on that. So I've had a little bit of some, well, a big something added to my plate and that is getting in some applications for schools. There are so many options in the area where we're moving for schools and unfortunately the local middle school, which my oldest will be entering um, in the fall, well he's already in middle school, but he'll be doing his second year of middle school, is not a very good school. So definitely for him, we've got to find another option. So I have been crazily trying to find and apply for schools and doing tons of research, where they're located, what the ratings are, what they specialize in, um, you know, what's a good, what's a good fit for him and all the kids for their learning styles and their strengths and the things they need to work on. So, um, I'm just going to throw out a few tips there. What I've learned is first of all, you know, when you go through this, whether, you know, if you have a great local school, great, you don't have to worry about it. But if you um, are 
in an area that you have a lot of school options and you have a child who is um, a little bit of a different learner, whether they're a gifted learner or they're creative or they have strengths outside of the normal kind of educational system, you may want to be looking into some different schools. So one of the things that I found just by asking around is a group on Facebook for, um, it's called, well, if this one's San Diego North County Schools or something like that. But um, so I just put out a post and asked for recommendations and talked about the different um, challenges and strengths of each of my children and got lot, tons of great recommendations, then started doing research on those schools that were um, sent my direction. So I've been spending time doing that, deciding which ones to apply to and to make sure that we get into at least one of those. Um, you know, the odds, the more that I apply for, the better chance we have of getting into at least one of them. So. That's been my task for the last few days, in addition to the packing and everything else we have going on in our house. Okay, so I have, of course, the questions this week. The first is a sleep question. One of the big, I don't know, two or three topics that gets asked a lot, but um, middle of the night wake ups for feeding. So we'll get to that one. And then the second one is something that came up in my members video chat over this past weekend. And it's about bringing attention to a behavior and correcting it versus when to ignore it. Because the question that came up about correcting one child and then inviting another child, especially when you have a couple of really little ones at home, then um, is a potential for bringing negative attention, that they're doing something negative for attention. So I'm gonna talk about ignoring versus correcting behaviors, how you can um, set up some guidelines on when you might wanna do one versus the other. So I'm gonna get into that also and what guidelines might be helpful in figuring out the best approach for each situation. Okay, so the first question is from Avram in Haifa, and I love that I have listeners and members all over the world. This is really cool. Um, so Avram wrote in and said, Hi, Erin, I found your podcast about 10 days ago, and I can't thank you enough. I think it should be mandatory listening for all parents. Reaching out here because we are in desperate need for your help. My soon-to-be 14-month-old daughter is yet to sleep through the night. For her first year, my wife nursed her to sleep every night and then basically nursed through the night when she woke up soon after. I have heard what you've said about sleep associations, so I now know that was not ideal. And I've tried a few methods to help her, but even if there is improvement for a few days, there is usually a relapse, and then it's like back to nursing through the night. What makes it more difficult is that my wife and I aren't on the same page about it. I would be happy with a method such as leave the room for two minutes, etc., but it's very hard for my wife to hear her cry. Is there anything you could suggest? Do you have a sleep method that doesn't involve crying, even if it takes longer? Help. Okay, you hit that right on the head, Avram. This is a great question. We know these sleep questions are really common. A lot of parents struggle with this. It's really not easy to listen to our babies or toddlers cry, especially at nighttime or bedtime. We feel like we're abandoning them a lot of times. So the short answer to this question is yes. You can transition to teaching an infant or toddler to learn to put themselves back to sleep without crying. It just take, It does take longer, just like you said. So if you have the patience and you have the time, this is definitely a great option for parents who are just not able to handle the crying very well. So step one, I've talked about this before. Step one is fix your bedtime issues. Whatever's happening at bedtime is what will happen in the middle of the night when your baby or child wakes up. So here's a little bit of background about the sleep cycle, especially with toddlers. So first of all, 
everyone wakes up in the middle of the night. We rouse, we come close to waking, but usually we roll over and fall right back to sleep and not even realize it. Adult cycles are 90 minutes long. Newborn cycles are about 60 minutes long. By the time kids reach four years of age, during the toddler years, their sleep cycle is stretching out to match that of an adult. So if your baby or toddler is not falling asleep on their own at bedtime, they will need the same thing they're using at bedtime to fall asleep to fall back to sleep in the middle of the night. So whether that's nursing, bottle feeding, rocking, if you are involved in it, they will need your help to fall back to sleep in the middle of the night. So for any parents dealing with middle of the night struggles like this, you first want to fix your bedtimes if they're not falling asleep on their own at bedtime. Why is this? It's because bedtime is when their sleep pressure, which is their physiological need for sleep, is the strongest. So if they're not doing this at bedtime, if they're not putting themselves to sleep, laying down in their crib or their bed on their own, falling asleep, well, I mean, you can lay them down in their crib or their bed, obviously, you know, tuck them in, leaving. If they're not falling asleep on their own, in their own space, they won't be able to do it in the middle of the night after an hour or more of sleep when that sleep pressure has been somewhat released. It's kind of like a pressure cooker. It's gonna be really super strong at bedtime, but you release that valve a little bit, let a little of that steam out, there's less pressure. So you want to work on this when that pressure is the strongest, which is at bedtime. Get that one fixed first. Okay, so for Avram, this question is, how can you do that? without leaving them to cry. So there's a couple options here. They're really kind of the same thing. They're the two sides of the same coin, but there's two different ways to do it. You may hear one of these or the other and go, that's the one I think will work better. It just feels more, um, you know, um, feels more organic to me based on our child or our situation and go with that one. So the first option is removing the breastfeeding or the feeding. If you have a baby that you're bottle feeding or a toddler that you're bottle feeding at bedtime, whatever you're using. I know for Avram and his wife, it's breastfeeding, but for someone else, it might be bottle feeding. You wanna remove that as the sleep association by moving it earlier into the bedtime routine, but still being there to comfort your baby to sleep at first. Once you get this step done, once you get it moved to earlier in the routine, so you're breastfeeding first, then you're reading books, maybe singing a song, whatever it is that you do, snuggling for a bit, um, and then putting them down to bed, then you can move slowly from removing yourself as the sleep association. So we call this the fading method. So you're gonna move the feeding into earlier and then get them using something else as their sleep association. It will probably still be you because they're used to you. Move that. Um, then you can stay until they fall asleep, but now it's not the breast, so now it's you. Then you, um, the other option is breaking baby from the breast or the bottle for those who are bottle feeding to sleep. This is also another fading method, but it's just doing it in a different order. So I'm gonna start with the first one. If you decide to move the feeding earlier in the bedtime routine, getting your baby or toddler to fall asleep without feeding, you're removing that as the sleep association. Then you're gonna to work to putting your baby to sleep while you're still in the room. So you would do this by being fully present until they fall asleep. You're sitting on the bed, patting them on the back, then you're slowly removing yourself over time. If you can get out before they fall asleep as they're getting super sleepy, drifting off and leave then, then you're gonna walk out then. If they start to wake up a little bit, walk back in, sit down, pat them on the back, then you're gonna start removing yourself as their sleep association to sitting on the bed, touching less frequently, 
to sitting on the bed and no touching, to sitting in a chair beside the bed. I mean, you can kind of decide how you want to do this. You could sit in a chair beside the bed, but still pat their back. You're just going to put more room between yourself and them as they start to fall asleep. And then you're going to also move back from how sleepy they are. So you're going to sit on the bed, pat them on the back until they're drifting off to sleep. Then you're going to sit on the bed, pat them on the back until they're sleepy. Then you're going to sit on the bed till they're sleepy, but not pat them on the back. You're just going to take some steps back to them learning to put themselves to sleep. You're doing this fading method. It's very gentle, but it does take some time. This may take six to eight weeks, depending on how dependent your child has been on having you around, how, how needy they are to having that as their sleep association. Just be patient. Take a few, you know, just take a step back, one step back at a time. The other option is to simply remove the breast or bottle in increments. It's a fading method also, just like removing yourself from the um, sleep association, you're going to actually just start right with the feeding as a sleep association and moving that backwards. So here's an example. In the first week, you would feed your baby until they're drifting off to sleep. Gently take the breast out of the baby's mouth or the bottle before they fall asleep. If baby or toddler starts to cry, give it a few moments to see if they will settle down. If they start to get upset, you can give the breast or bottle back for a minute or a few seconds, 30 seconds, try again, and t again till they're almost, till they're drifting off to sleep, remove it again. Just gonna kinda do this back and forth until they get almost asleep, take them off the breast, and they will put themselves to sleep in week two. So that should be about a week. You should be able to do that. They should be able to fall asleep. You should be able to pull the breast out or the bottle when they're almost asleep by the end of that first seven days and they should be able to drift themselves off to sleep the rest of the way. In week two, feed until sleepy. Again, giving the breast or bottle only if they start to get worked up because you're going to pull it out, give it a few moments. They may fuss just a minute and fall asleep. If they start to get a little too worked up, give the breast or bottle back till they're sleepy pull it out back and forth until they're sleeping and able to put themselves to sleep on that next step. You're just, you're really scaffolding this um, process. In week three, you're going to feed for a few minutes, just enough to comfort your baby or toddler, let him or her fall back to sleep without feeding. Once this is complete, so this may take three to four weeks to do this. So once this is complete, then you're going to start with the fading method with them in the bed. So the other part of this is that with this method, you can either just do bedtime first or you can do both bedtime and the middle of the night. So if you're doing this, um, removing the breast or bottle in the increments, you can do it both at bedtime and in the middle of the night, or you can just do it at bedtime and get that down really solid. The middle of the nights may fix themselves at that point, or you can do both at the same time. Do the exact same increments at bedtime and at the middle of the night. So you can decide how you wanna do that as well. If you're having other issues with infant sleep or toddler sleep, like them not staying in their bed, night, middle of the night wake-ups, early morning wake-ups, um, nightmares, nap time issues, any of those, you can see the infant sleep and toddler sleep class. I cover a lot of basic information on sleep, toddler sleep and infant sleep, um, why it's important, some of the sleep studies that they've done, and ways to fix all those issues, including three to four, now there are four different sleep bedtime methods for infants and three for toddlers that you can use for bedtime and middle of the night sleep training, including some of these um, no cry solutions. Okay, 
So our member parent chat this week, one of the questions that came up was about prevention for toddlers from misbehaving in multiple different scenarios. And one of those scenarios happened to be um, like one one toddler giving um, one toddler getting attention for doing something negative, another toddler seeing that that child getting attention for doing something negative, and then um, doing something negative themselves to get attention. So it kind of spirals things out of um, control of getting attention for negative behaviors. So when do we correct behavior versus ignore behavior? When do you wanna do one versus the other? So I'm gonna get into some good tips and guidelines right after a word from our sponsors. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important, but did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than HomeThreads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. HomeThreads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look and some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads. Love where you live. Now that we're back after the break, I'm going to discuss when to correct behavior versus when to ignore a behavior. Now this is a a little more of an art than a science. I will share the tips, a little bit of the science behind it, but there's a little bit of an art depending on the different situations, your child's temperament. So you may have to have a little bit of trial and error to see what's gonna work in your situation with your different children. 
but I have some really good guidelines that you can follow. But first, I want to talk about an anecdote for when my kids were little. And I remember doing exactly this. My oldest son used to have a couple of behaviors that he would engage in for attention, negative behaviors that he would engage in for attention. One of them was he had, we had this huge TV at the time. Some friends of ours were getting rid of it, gave it to us. It was this humongous TV. It was down on a lower level um, on a stand and he would hit the television. Well, I made the mistake of bringing attention to that behavior. He wasn't hitting it hard. He wasn't going to break it. It was just, I don't know what it was, probably the sound, the smack of his hand on the TV. It had kind of a flexible, um, I don't know, it was made out of probably some sort of plastic screen and it, and it kind of reverberated. I think it just was interesting to him. And I made the mistake of bringing attention to this behavior. But of course, when we bring attention to behavior, a lot of times with these toddlers and preschoolers, it will increase the behavior. So that's what I did. I ended up increasing the behavior. So then he would go over and just hit the screen just to get me to tell him to stop. Um, now, this wasn't something that I could baby proof very well because, or toddler proof, because it's sitting down on a low, um, on a low stand. So I couldn't, it wasn't a pie. It wasn't something I could keep out of his reach. So, um, so I couldn't toddler proof for it and it was right there for him. And so what I needed to start doing was to ignore it. If I would have ignored it from the very beginning, he probably would have stopped really quickly. When I did start ignoring it, it did go away fairly quickly. One of the other behaviors he would do is stand on the living room coffee table to get my attention. Um, that one I was pretty good with. I ignored it right away. I just ignored that one off the bat, it went away very, very quickly. But I remember, you can see it in their eyes, right? You can see them, they're kind of giving you that eye, like, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do about it? They're testing us. They have this, this way of testing our boundaries of testing us. So, some considerations. First would be safety. Is this activity or behavior unsafe? In both of those situations, I didn't consider it unsafe. He wasn't going to break the television set. It wasn't going to fall over on him. Um, and um, on the coffee table, it's, you know, a foot and a half off the ground, maybe two feet to tops off the ground. There was a rug underneath. He wasn't going to get hurt. So ignoring was definitely the best way to, um, to get through that behavior without making a big deal about it for him because he was looking for attention. The other would be destruction. If there's, and, and kids can be destructive, so you can allow some destructive behavior if it's not permanent destruction. So if they're like throwing something and, and it could potentially like mark up the wall or break the toy or, you know, or they're hanging on the door of a cabinet in the kitchen that's going to break off. Okay, we got to do something about that. That can cause some pretty big destruction. But otherwise, those are the two considerations, safety and destruction. If it's not unsafe and it's not destructive, you can ignore it. Okay, so the other one is toddler proofing. Toddler proofing is one of the best things you can do because then you don't have to be saying no all day long. There's a couple of great reasons for toddler proofing. Number one is because babies and toddlers and preschoolers are really exploratory. They're being little scientists. They want to check everything out. They want to try everything. They want to see how things work and what happens. The cause and effect is really amazing for them. If they're getting told no a lot, it can affect their self-esteem because this is something they're just naturally 
bent to do is to test things out and try new things and so it can make them more tentative and a little um and a little less um self-assured if they're constantly wondering like oh my god should i be doing something that i really feel like i want to do so toddler proofing in every way possible so um things like taking um anything that they can hurt themselves with or drop on their toe or throw and hurt that's on shelves that they could reach just putting that up for the next year year and a half until they're old enough to be able to not really care about it or bother it that's something good to do if they're constantly knocking all your books off of your bookshelf and it's you're constantly having to pick them up or you're afraid they're going to knock them down and then rip the pages out putting those up high or putting those away for a little bit um, and then toddler proofing in any other way you can, keeping them contained in an area that's safe. So if they're getting into something or doing something that you cannot toddler proof, climbing up on counters was one of the ones that came up in the parent class is you've got a little climber and they're climbing up on the counters, climbing up on the bar stools, up onto the counter or up onto the kitchen table or the dining room table that you may not feel is very safe if they fall off of there. So if you have a place that you can contain them when they're getting into stuff like that and then give them something that they can do instead. If you have a family room area, hallway was the one I used a lot, but if you have a family room area and you can block them off into there with something they can climb on, like if they have a little indoor like climber and, and slide or a um, something they can do physically if they're super into climbing, that's a great thing to do. Hallway was one always my go-to. I had a, a hallway that I had a baby gate up. I could always stick them in there. If I was trying to get lunch ready, I was trying to get some things done to get out the door and somebody was getting into something and it was a little dangerous or just wreaking complete havoc, I would put them in the hallway, give them some toys to play with in there until I was ready to go or I was done with lunch and I could spend the time um, working with them one-on-one -on -one or well, one on three, whatever I had at that moment, whoever wasn't napping until I could spend that time with them and sit down and play with them myself and engage with them in a different way. I had a place that I could put them out of the way that would keep them safe. So that's also another great way. And the class called Distraction and Redirection, one of the positive discipline tools talks about toddler proofing. Um, and all the different areas. It's got a whole checklist of all the different things that you can do, the things that you can buy, that you can get all set up, and ways that you can keep your home as safe as possible so that you're not having to constantly feel like you have to watch them so super closely and follow them around all day long, keeping them out of stuff. So you may want to check that out um, for your safety and your sanity at yourvillageonline.com. And of course, that class is also included in the Discipline Tools for Toddlers, Discipline Tools for Preschoolers, along with any of the other 60 parenting classes on demand, visit the website at yourvillageonline.com. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.